0: So welcome to our Unity service again. If you are visiting, it's so, so great to have you with us. Um, It's wonderful to look out and see this place absolutely rammed this morning. What a privilege. I want to start this morning as we focus on grace. That's what it's all about this morning. We're focusing on the grace of God. And I want to ask you a question. What's so amazing about grace? What's so amazing about grace? Grace. When I was growing up, we always said grace before dinner. It's a tradition, we keep it now in my household. We say a prayer of thanksgiving to God for his provision of the food we're about to eat and his provision of those people who have cooked that food. It's great. It's godly. It's the right thing to do. I'm not sure if it's amazing. When I'm in church gatherings, sometimes I say the grace May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. And we all say, Amen. That's beautiful and it's worshipful and it's intentional. Is it amazing? I'm not sure. The reason I ask that question is because when I read about grace... In God's Word I find that amazing grace is powerful and it's provocative and it's explosive it's inexhaustible it's life and it's death it's the difference between eternity and oblivion amazing grace is life-changing because amazing grace is when God who is holy and perfectly righteously good looks at human beings who are holy and completely sinful and bad and says, I love you. That's amazing grace. Amazing grace is when for our sake, God the Father sent his son Jesus, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. Through him. That's amazing grace. Amazing grace is the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the amazing grace that we are going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, just even now as we consider your amazing grace, would you send your spirit into our hearts so that we might once again be refreshed and understand and know intimately the wondrous, amazing incomprehensible majesty of your grace. We pray that this morning. Amen. I remember driving to work one day um, in my van. I used to be a car mechanic. And uh, I was contemplating this very verse and and the chapter it's in. And suddenly, by the way, being a car mechanic, I'm used to being in a manly environment and all that kind of stuff. Um, It wasn't cool to show lots of emotion in that environment. So I kind of spent a long time not behaving like that. But I was driving to work one day, thinking about these verses, and I began to cry. I think I had to pull over and sort myself out. A little bit late for work that day. Imagine having that conversation with my boss. Yeah, sorry, I, was, I had to pull over because I was having a bit of a cry about a Bible verse I'd read. <laughs> I must have been about 25 at the time, and I'd been a Christian about as long as I could remember. I grew up in a Christian home, I got baptised at 13, I can be honest with you, I never smoked, I'd never done drugs, never had sex before marriage, and I only drank when I was in college, so I thought I was doing okay. Genuinely, I thought I was doing okay. I thought my good behaviour outweighed my bad behaviour. And I thought as long as things tick along like that, me and God, we're good, we're on good terms. But in that moment, God completely undid me because for the first time in my life, I understood something new about the reality of his amazing grace. And my heart and hope and prayer this morning is that through the personal work of his spirit in us, he does it afresh for us. Now in order for us to get the most out of the verse we've just read in Ephesians 2 verse 8, we need to understand the context that it's in. And that means looking at the verses around it. So let's start by looking at Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. It says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Wow. That's a heck of a way for the Apostle Paul to start the second chapter of his letter to the Ephesian church, isn't it? And it packs a heck of a punch for us as we read it too. Because what was true of them is also true of us. Now today is Unity Sunday, where we gather together to celebrate the fact that despite our different traditions and denominations, we are united by a common faith. We are one family in Christ Jesus. Praise God. but we're also united by our common heritage, by our sinful natures. We're all alike in that at one time, we were all dead because of our disobedience to God, because of our willful rejection of Him, and because of our sinful actions. Every one of us. Scripture says we used to obey the devil. We used to follow our own ungodly passions and desires. And we were all subject to the righteous wrath of God because of it. And this is what I realized about myself as I drove to work that day. No matter how hard I'd worked to be a good Christian, from day one, my account was so far in the red that no deposit, no amount of me being good could ever change my sinful nature. And the same is true of every other human being. That's why the prophet Isaiah could say, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. What we need, what we need is God's amazing grace. That's the one thing that can bring us from death to life from a servant of Satan to a servant of God, from following our own passions and desires to following in the footsteps of King Jesus, from being subject to the righteous wrath of God like the rest of the world, to being held aloft as vessels that display his righteousness to that world, only by the amazing grace of God. And that is amazing grace, isn't it? It's good for us to know that. And it's good for us to remember that because the joy and the magnitude and the power and the elation that we can have because of God's saving grace towards us can only be properly understood and received if we open ourselves to the sobering reality, gravity, weight and implication of our fallen, sinful nature. We've got to hear the bad news so we can fully appreciate The full flavor and sweetness and nourishment of the good news as it sinks in and nourishes our souls. That's what we were singing just now. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Listen again to what Ephesians 2 verse 8 says. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. What's so amazing about grace? It's a gift from God. Amazing grace is unmerited favor towards us. We didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, and we can't return it. It's all God. You know the original Greek word for grace is charis. And it doesn't just mean favour. It carries a sense of God's ongoing choice to always be inclining himself, extending, leaning, reaching out to bless us. That's what it means. And that means it didn't just happen yesterday. Grace isn't just for the past. Grace is for today. And grace is for tomorrow. God has grace for us every day. Not because of our efforts, but because of God's ongoing position and inclination towards us. But brothers and sisters, we know, don't we, that God hasn't given us amazing grace as an excuse to sin. We know that. It's exactly the opposite. Because of God's grace towards us, we work all the more diligently to display that grace to those around us, don't we? That's what we are called to do. So that God's grace in us produces works of God's grace from us. And that means that as we consider what it's like, what it means to be one family of believers, We should show grace to one another at all times. Colossians 3, 12 to 13 says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. When we remember how much we've been forgiven and how desperately we need God's amazing grace, it softens our heart towards our brothers and sisters that might grieve us. And more than that, it reminds us that we have access to the inexhaustible storehouse of God's grace through his spirit in us. So when your brother or your sister grieves you, you don't have to work to scratch up enough grace to talk to them civilly. You can ask and receive from God a flood of his grace that fills you and spills out in bucket loads all over the place. And that's how we should be to one another. But that's also how we should be towards our community that we live in. Galatians 6, verses 9 to 10 says this. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are in the household of faith. Sometimes displaying God's amazing grace to those outside the church can seem like the hardest thing in the world. In your job, in your family, in your friendship group, or on social media. But we are called to be ambassadors of God's amazing grace to a hurting and broken world. When you look at your neighbor, or your friend, or your family, or your colleague, remember that at one time, you were just like them. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that, that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. When we engage with those people in our lives that requires us to show grace, that's why. They're fallen and they're broken and they don't have God and they don't have his grace abiding in them, but you do. You can break a situation just by showing God's grace and compassion and kindness and mercy. You can build someone up instead of tear them down. You can release someone instead of holding them back. You can honor someone instead of slandering them. These are all ways that we can model the amazing grace that we have received to a world that hasn't even got a concept of what that might be. the answer to this sinful, fallen, broken situation is the same for them as it was for you. Ephesians 2.13 But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If all of those things were true of us at one time, now we've been brought near to Jesus by his blood. That is what we have to offer, that message of God's amazing grace. Anyone can be brought near to God. And we hold that hope out to a world without hope. The answer is God's amazing grace. I want to finish by praying the grace over you, my dear family. And I wonder if you could stand as I do that. I could have is it the worship team back up now? I don't see the worship team. <laughs> Let's bow our heads just for a moment. May the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, all now